faster than a speeding bullet. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's this WAP doesn't lie. The No Bullshit Podcast. Now, here is your host, Felix Andreoni. Oh, yeah! I got Eric in the house. I got my co-host Ann in the house. Happy Friday. Let's kick it. Oh, how you feel, brother? You there? I feel good. Been so much fun, yeah. brother. Hold on. How you feeling, brother? Hey. How you feel, fellas? It's Friday, people. You're getting down. Look at him. We got Raccoon on the line. Robbery from Gianna is here. Robbery. I call him that. He said, Good evening, Ann. Hope you're good. Ah, James is in the house. We got Raccoon on the line. Well, before we start, there have been many text messages to Mr. Wap. Looking forward to the set part two of uh, yes. Raccoon's story. I, I had, and let me tell you, before Raccoon starts, we had 3,000 yeah. people listen in last week. Yes, we did. We, we had a milestone, 3,000. Yes. I have over, since he was on the show, telling about his life and his military we we have over a hundred, almost a hundred and eleven thousand downloads. Woo-hoo. That's outrageous. Hi, Zero. Welcome to our studio. Raccoon, you there? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes. And loud and clear. Loud and clear. Okay. I think I've got a storm moving in here in about another hour, so I thought I'd better call in instead of have you bring me up on the panel. Yeah. yeah we have a storm brewing here as well. Zero is in the house. Listen, Raccoon, we left off at Guyana. What was it? Granada. And um, and I think from there, did you go? Oh, tell us what happened after that. Well, actually, I have to tell you something happened during Grenada. Okay. We helped leave the we helped leave the the bathtub ring in the pool. Was it the what? There at the St. George's Holiday Inn was just a few hundred uh, meters away from our position. And I went down there to see what I could scarf up since it was abandoned at that point and it had been shot to hell. Uh-huh. We went down there and uh, yeah, we've been there and walking around the mud. What the hell? You know, go ahead and take a dip in the pool. We helped them put a, a, a ring in the back. The bathtub ring in the swimming pool. That was the yep. thing after that was we left the bathtub ring in the swimming pool. But yep. It seemed like everybody ended up going down there and bathing in the pool just to get the dirt off of them. Yep. Hey, Zero, since you can't see the screen, Zero wrote in. Was that during Ronald Reagan's presidency? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. From there, I, I went to nursing school. After oh. that, you know, I came back from Grenada and part around and 
when I was in the aid station, I was, I had been, uh, my first job inside the aid station, not being a, a lot, what you call line medic or when it was assigned to a platoon, I became the records and records clerk oh. uh-huh. for all the medical records. And I was going through them. I had to, had to inventory all the records, make sure they're in proper order and stuff. None of them were in proper order. So I took a trip over to the hospital, and I got a hold of one of the records clerks over there, and they showed me how they were supposed to be lined out, uh-huh. supposed to be where in medical records. So I went back to the unit, and I started working on that, and, and then uh, I asked for some help, and uh, nobody knew what the hell was to do. But I was instructed, and I was trying to tell them. So... I went over to S4 and said, hey, I need a sheet of three-quarter inch plywood. Mm-hmm. And I took that back and I covered it with a big piece of camouflage material. And I took and put a record at the top, the record jacket at the top. Uh-huh. And it was centered in there and everything on one side supposed to go on this side of the record jacket and everything on this side supposed to go on that one. It had every damn medical uh, form at that time listed on correctly. Mm-hmm. And everybody gave me a bunch of shit over it. And I said, there, the, you know, you never get over a damn 80 on, on records whenever they do a comment, DMAT, or an ID on it. I mean, do inspections. And when I got them guys to help me do the records and get them all squared away, they came in and they randomly select them out of the file. Uh-huh. Just draft records and say, okay, look through them and everything. I got a 99. Huh. Wow. Inspection. The highest anybody in the division had gotten because I took the time to find out what the gym record is supposed to have in it and how it's supposed to be organized. Were these records of that was each my, person my, my in his person. unit? Huh? Were these records for every person yeah, I was, in the unit? I was, I was in the. I was uh, uh, assigned to. Uh, Second Battalion, three twenty fifth, three twenty fifth Lighter Regiment, which was turned into Airborne Regiment oh. in World War Two. It was the Glider Regiment, mm-hmm. and shortly after I retired and came out here and became a contractor, I met a lawyer out here who was actually a World War Two Lighter pilot from the three two five. Wow! From Second Battalion. Yeah, cool. <laughs> What's the, along real good. <laughs> what's the coincidence of that? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. He, he's like 91, and I met him. He's, he's passed away since then. Uh, he, he told me a lot about what they used to do, and I wish I'd known that when I was going to these yeah. soldier boards I was going to. So what happened? Information. What happened after that? Okay, after that, I, I went into the medical uh, supply area because one of the other guys was getting ready to go to PA school so he wanted to get out of that and they said there are new medical supply in field so I had to learn all that shit mm-hmm. plus I had to also learn all my other jobs in there which you know I was on sick call and doing uh, literally doing diagnosing and distributing uh, drugs to the soldiers on sick call oh Mm. And that was one of my jobs. And that, that, that was a, a common job with NCOs at the time because they wanted you to be able to work independently from a PA if 
DA got killed oh. in battle, you know, somebody has to fill in for him and it takes a little bit of everybody to do it to bring the Yeah. I learned how to do minor surgery. Oh. Putting in sutures, taking out toenails and fingernails, doing uh fists. Uh, wow. Yeah. Did you kinds have- of different procedures that you can't do on the outside. <laughs> Yeah. Did you have to deal with mental you know? illness issues as well, or it was strictly, it was strictly, you know, mostly. Well, that, 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 that'll come later on when I get into the, when I went to nursing school. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I did have to deal with that. And we had a case in Grenada about that. And if there's anybody in the 325 back then, one of my fellow comrades, We'll find this story a little amusing, and they may even know the person that happened with. We had a guy who came in, the unit brought him over, and he said, this guy's having a meltdown. You need to do something with him. So brought him into the aid station. And around the aid station, everybody just kind of gathers around, and you're doing everything within a small confine. And we actually had our aid station set up in a where they held their funerals at, at a graveyard right outside the door. Ugh. Oh, little man. garage basically with with a couple doors on it yeah. i actually have an overhead uh picture of it with one of the guys had taken it was in the helicopter going out on a scout mission with some uh some other officers and i actually was able to get a hold of that picture for him and shows us there with our our vehicles and people gathered around and stuff yeah but this guy comes in the unit brings him over brings me in and says, hey, this guy's got a problem. Uh, he came in late before we uh, deployed, and he was considered AWOL. He's scared. He's doing this and that. And he walked, uh, the PA walks over to him and, you know, just kind of gently holds his arms. Come on over here and sit down for a few minutes. He sits down. This guy's got a freaking grenade in his hand oh. without a pen. Oh, Lord. Hmm. No, that's not. Yeah. Yeah, that's not good. So we... We uh, abruptly cleared the aid station, except for the PA and one other guy, and they're doing their talk with him and everything, and say, hey, man, uh, you, want, you want a cup of hot chocolate? And he, yeah, okay. A little dimmer on that bad boy, and give it to him. <laughs> got him a little more relaxed, and we were able to get the grenade out of his hand. Jesus. Wow. But that was one of the one of the psychological dramas of, of combat. This guy was literally scared shitless yeah out of just the battle but also what was going to happen because he was AWOL when they called us because we were we were on an alert status and you had to come in in a certain amount of time or else you're AWOL yeah you didn't make it oh yeah whatever happened to him that was my first uh he, he was he was uh mentally discharged from from the army he was yeah. he was really psychologically crazy at that point. I mean, he was he was pretty bad. Yeah. Mm. But all in all, everybody came out of there pretty much alive. <sighs> Our unit only lost two guys in it, Good. both to their mistakes that they were warned about beforehand, Ooh. and the rest of us got away where with. Nicks and scratches, a couple minor bullet wounds and shrapnel wounds. Yeah. And everybody came back with the pinworms. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we all had pinworms. Oh. The entire force had pinworms. Jeez. Everybody is, that touched the ground, 
whether you're kneeling down on it, sitting on it, laying on it, grabbing a handful of dirt, you got worms because Grenada was at one time a slave island. Oh. They mm-hmm. dumped slaves off for the slave trade. It's part of the Canary Islands reaching down toward Venezuela. And some of these people who I got to talk to over there, mm-hmm. their families had been there for damn near 300 years. Wow. And he said they never left the island. And, you know, he didn't think much about it. But then after we found out we had pinworms and started, well, how did we get pinworms? Well, you know, people been on that island for damn near 300 years. They've been dumping on that island, you know, taking the dump on the island and being on the island and everything, the, you know, the <sighs> tropical humidity, pinworms became part of life. And Jesus. we had that problem when we were over there with the children. They would bring the, you know, we had people who were basically living like extreme, extreme off-ridders. Mm-hmm. No electricity, no running water, no nothing. They would bring their kids into it. They'd never seen a doctor come uh-huh. into us. And they would, and they spoke really good English. I mean, they spoke English like a Brit. Mm-hmm. And they would tell us what was going on and everything. And, and, uh, a lot of the kids there had pinworms. I mean, their bellies were bloated with worms. Ugh. And we'd give them some, some medication and send them on their way. And maybe a day or two later before we left, a day or two later, they would find us and say, hey, man, look at me, you know. Aww. And his belly ain't all bloated out. Is that look at intubation thing or something, something worse? Like you can't take huh? a vaccine for that. You can't take a vaccine for that. That's like antibiotic. No, no. Pinworms. Pinworm is a parasite that gets in you through either being on the ground or eating stuff off the ground without proper uh, oh. uh, sanitation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And these kids had lived in it all their lives. Jeez. And we used to see newborns. That's a shame. Like they had a beer belly. That's a yeah. shame. We had people over there with arthritis so bad. Yeah. They've been living with it for some of these people were in their 60s and 70s, never seen a doctor. They were literally, you know, they were on the small island, but they stayed hidden most of the time. And we just happened to upset the apple cart. Right. We were handing out aspirin, like an Antandian, to these people who had arthritis. And they were just completely thankful. Some of them even brought us food back, you know, food. Yeah. It, it was it really a, a hell of an experience. I bet it was. But, you know, yeah, that, that, that was an extreme, though. I mean, you know. Is a small island, a captive island, and and sanitation was only found in the cities, which really wasn't really all much better than a huh. a condemned farm town in America. You know, maybe yep. the shitters were, maybe they didn't. Maybe we had clean running water. Maybe it was cloudy. When you first but, ar- when you, know. you when you first arrived there, did you uh, did you parachute in there? Or, or you were flown. No, in. I had to drive the, I had to drive the medical uh, supply truck because I was a med, I, I was uh, the, uh, supply sergeant. Then. Oh, all right. The I bring all the medical equipment in on, on a gamma go. Yep. So now, what happened? Out there in the dark after everything was done. What happened after that? Right. After Grenada. Isaac. Well. After that, I hung around there for a while in the unit, and uh, then I put in to go to 91 Charity School. 
but before I did that, before I actually made up my mind on switch from Bravo to Charlie, I was going to take and try to memorize Allied Nation, uh, Allied Nursing Handbook, which we had in our aid station as part of our mm-hmm. our supply uh, stuff we had in the in the chests and stuff. So I started reading that damn thing religiously. I mean, I, I was memorizing it. And then I got my orders to go to nursing school, and I went down to uh, Fort Gordon, Georgia. Uh-huh. And I went from Fort Bragg to Fort Gordon and uh, went through nursing school. And everybody sat there and said, why do you go to, nur- uh, to 91C school? I said, I guess I want to challenge. You know, yeah. Most people say they want to do this, they want to do that. Ninety percent of my class were either X-ray techs, pharmacy techs, mm-hmm. dental techs, or yep. somebody who had no experience outside of their little field, and they're jumping feet first into the fire. Yeah, and they were they were hurt a bit. I had to do a little bit of tutoring sometimes when they told me I had to help them out with your study hall. <laughs> so was it was but it I, uh, was it something you uh, expected or not? Were, were you disappointed when you? No, actually, actually, when you get there, they give you about a four foot high stack of blank books. Mm-hmm. You have to fill out all the information they're telling you, <laughs> and. I carried one with me all the time. I, uh, whenever I went to class, I carried the same one for the entire time I was there. And it was a 13-month school, and I got all the way to the 12th month. That, yep. Oh, hell, I don't want to do this. Not for another, at that point, another 10 or 15 years. And, eh, I'm, I'm out of here. Yeah. And uh, I dumped the school, and then they sent me to Fitzsimmons in Colorado, Aurora, Colorado, Fitzsimmons Army Medical Center. Uh-huh. As punishment to work as a nursing assistant in surgical ward. And how, how long were you there for? Why is, well, that, that, a, why is that a punishment? I was there for almost three years. Wow, that's a long time. Well, well, yeah, but you have to understand the circumstances. When I told him, I said, I want to get out of this class. I said, well, you can't get out of this class. Oh. What do you mean I can't get out of the class? I said, we dropped three people already in the first one mm-hmm. week at the school, and they were at yeah. 12, we've lost half the class. I said, what do I have to do? And then my counsel looks at me and said, you got to fail two tests. I said, consider them failed. <laughs> <laughs> and at the same time, I'm talking to him, the the uh, commandant of the 91 Charlie School is making her rounds around the nation here at a different, you know, there's only like maybe six or seven places where you get the training at. Yep. They're going around looking at everything. And I just happened to be doing this when she reaches Fort Gordon and I have to go in there and she says, uh, why do you want to quit nursing school? I said, you can teach a monkey to do this. Oh. By the way, they do teach monkeys oh, to do this. God. <laughs> can I and she got pissed at me. Yeah, I would imagine. Can I ask you, so every time you took up new training, did it coincide with you having to re-up, you know, re-enlist or, you know, extend your service time? Or would they, was it just sort of well, random? I was already in the mode that when I went back in, I was going to stretch it out as long as I could in the military and get to retirement. Mm-hmm. Because civilian life for me sucked. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, not only did I just jump out of high school, I also had a, a day going union card to go on pay high <laughs> at that time. But I didn't take it. I, you know, like bringing out CNC machines, our work is not needed anymore. Yep. So, yeah. I guess I got to start another career. <laughs> and I started out in infantry, but I, I, I left. I was out for 16 months. And so I had to go back in under certain agreements I made. And mm-hmm. I said, the hell with them sticking it out. And I took the long, I always took the longest enlistment I could. Yeah. So those, and, uh, those three years you were working as a nurse's assistant, you must have learned a lot and seen a lot, right? Oh, yeah. yeah I, I, I'm not saying it wasn't bad. Yeah. I'm not saying it was, you know, it was good. I learned a lot of stuff and I also helped them a lot because. He didn't memorize the daggone handbook. <laughs> you know, we had yeah. a power outage. Our, our generators went down. We had five people on suction. They were in brain surgery patients. Yep. They needed the suction. I said, doesn't anybody know how to do a gravity suction? Show us. Yeah. So I did. We put the patients on the gravity suction, and then uh, those patients survived. Oh. If we didn't have it, they were, probably would have died during the night. Oh. But, you know. Want to say hi to Bart and to Moop, Moop, Moop K, who is joining Yes, if you're new to the show, follow us. So what happened? What happened after that? After you did the three years? I did two years of nursing. and then about a year in, in the ER downstairs because I switched my MOS. I went back to 91 Bravo. Uh-huh. And I went to my advanced course and became a paramedic to the military. That's the senior instructor class medic. Did your, you did go you... through three months of, of rigorous training uh-huh. in the medical field for basically a, a paramedic? I mean, yeah. I, I still got my damn uh, paramedic. And I got a, I got a national and a, a paramedic uh, registry. Mm-hmm. You know, I passed the test on all that shit. Did, did they? It was just like, yeah, you know, I'm not going to be a paramedic. I'm I'm staying in the military. Yeah. You know? Did they increase your rank? No, no. You have to earn your rank in the military, or know somebody who wants to give it to you. And well, people today- that do that, they well, hold on a minute. People who do that, who, who fight to get rank all the time, yeah. All they want to do is not do the job that you're trained for. They want to advance in another part of the job, yeah. and nine times out of ten, they're going to suck at it. Yep. Well, look, they don't what, have enough experience. Look what they do today. If you have a college degree and you join the military, they'll make you a fucking sergeant. Well, no, they actually try to get you to go to OCS because they need <laughs> officers. Yeah, that's right. With each um, increase in respect. No, I had a. I had a, a guy in, in basic with me get a, a damn master's degree in political science, and he went through basic and AIT with it. They kept hounding him. You need to go here to do this and that and yep. get your lieutenant part. And he said, no, I'm not going to do that yet. We get through jump school, get up to division. He's in division in about two years, and you know we, we still know each other. He lives right across the street in another battalion, and we see, it, yeah. see each other every now and then. And one day he was gone. He was like, 
Damn, I ain't seen him. He usually comes out about this time of day, and they hadn't for a month. And I asked my guys, said, Where, where'd so-and-so go? He said, oh, he went to OCS. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Well, he actually, he actually went from OCS to Special Forces. Because oh. he was an officer. They, they accept the officers quicker anyway. Yep. They need, they, they, they need uh, adult guidance sometimes, you know? <laughs> With each um, new but, responsibility you have, did you get an increased pay? If not, change in... Oh, yeah, yeah I got a hell of an increase in pay. I mean, you know, he was at E4. Yeah. And jumps into OCS, and uh, I can't remember where he went, but you know, that was back in the in in the mid seventies when he did that. But he became an officer later on, and I'd seen his name pop up every now and then where he was doing this or that somewhere, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, you, know, you, you see those names, and and a lot of guys that that I uh, served with. A lot of them got out. A few of them stayed in. Some of them became sergeant majors. Some of them never got yep. any higher than sergeant first class. Some of them became first sergeant. Me, I wasn't in it for the money. Okay, I was there to help people. Yeah. So what happened? Yeah, I, so, I stated, so what happened after the three years? Where did you go when that ended? When what ended? Didn't he say he went to work in? Well, I put in to go to Alaska. I wanted to go to Fort Wainwright, Alaska. Oh, wow. Did you go? And I put in, well, I put in my orders, and a week later, I get orders for Korea. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big it difference. Give me the second division. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what is, so you went to Korea then? Yeah, I went to Korea for a year. What and did, I was what? A medical, uh, medical supply sergeant there in, with the, the, uh, 520th Infantry, and Mechanized Infantry Unit. It goes all the way back into the days yeah. of the Little Bighorn. But, the but there, there was no fighting or anything, right, back at that particular no, time? No, Yeah. No, we just went to field a hell of a lot. I mean, it's it like at least every other week we went to the field for two or three weeks. Uh-huh. And I went there. I was there during the Olympics. We spent the entire time the Olympics is going on in the field. Yeah, as a strike force. Did you ever? Did deep. you ever sneak in the north side? <laughs> no. <laughs> they got a damn. Hey, they have a fence. They have electric fence. I, I when I was on guard post, led up on the right up on the border. Uh huh. Fence is like twenty yards away. The electric fence is twenty yards away. North Korea put that up. Yeah. Hmm. We actually got to see something. We don't know what it was. It's something vaporized itself on the fence. Oh, wow! No. I can imagine how many, how much, <laughs> how much juice yeah. is going through that. What did you do? You probably had. What did you do? Probably had enough power in it to light up all of North Korea in the dark because they don't have their lights on at night. Yeah. Go ahead, Ann. You want to ask a question? Uh, I put ninety days up on the. <laughs> I put 90 days up on guard post Olette running uh, evac uh, yep. drills and doing my normal shit up there, sitting in a bunker, waiting for something to happen. Only yeah. Sick call, you know. Did you, have, but, did you ever have to uh, uh, store blood? Did you collect blood from people like, you know, just house supply? And how did you keep that going? Well, it, that was already processed and ready for us if we needed it. Got you. We didn't have to draw yeah. blood from anybody, but 
I knew how to do it. I just yep. never had to do it. Okay. Now, what did you do in your downtime? Did, was there entertainment there? Was there bars? What did you do? Korean bars? Well, there's all kinds of stuff to do, but sometimes you just want to not go down to the bars. And you know, they had a lot of city bars there. Uh huh. You, you go, go around the second market and, did, and you could buy stuff off the, did you the bang? Korean did you, economy and go to the town. <laughs> did you bang any of them over there? Oh, God. <laughs> I have to ask that question. Uh, we have to do that with an undis- uh, with, with a, a, a leg on the disclosure agreement, man. <laughs> do we? <laughs> <laughs> Have to have you sign a paper here, man. I bet you did. Talk about it ever. (laughs) (laughs) Now listen. So now you went to Korea. You're there a year, right? Now what happened after that? After that year went up, where did you go? I came back. Well, it took me like a month to to get them to cut me orders back to division. I went back to division. I ended up in the first three two five, and one of the. One of the other NCOs, they had two NCOs that went to PA school. Uh-huh. And I was going back to first 325, and I go back, and, and uh, I get ready to go into to, uh, Repel Center, which is replacement detachment. You know, they're going to send you wherever, and you go there to basically to get orders and mm-hmm. do whatever you have to do. I get there, and one of the guys who I had worked with in second 325 was a battalion uh, PA or battalion surgeon from mm-hmm. first bat. He goes, hey, man, I know, something pretty good. Guess what I did? What? Got you assigned to my unit. Uh-oh. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so I go back. You know, I, I go with him, go down to the unit. Uh-huh. And the guy who, the other PA guy, was assigned back to second battalion. Uh-huh. I was in first battalion now. And this other guy, he was wanting me because he he said he had orders for me to get there, but the other <laughs> guy had him overridden. <laughs> <laughs> they actually, they actually started screaming at each other. Oh. Over me. Oh, and he's mine. No, no, he's here. You ain't getting him back. You, you, you don't have to worry about it. So, you know. And, I mean, if it wasn't a civilized area, they probably would have beat the crap out of each other. <laughs> but, you know, and I I uh, worked for them for uh, yeah, three years, three and a half years before I got injured and, and sent out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was in there doing the medical supply, holding sick call, going to the field. And, uh, we got to, we got uh, notified to go to Saudi Arabia. Second oh. battalion just came off DRF one. We went on DRF one. We flew out, and we didn't jump in, or I should say, my unit didn't jump in because the Rangers had already jumped in. The the AC one thirties went in there and ripped up the towns, mm-hmm. and everything was cool. We get there, and then it's basically just a ground battle in the jungle. Yeah. Mm. And uh, that was in, uh, let's see, let me back up a minute. I got off on the wrong timeline. That was in first bat, or in second bat. First bat, 90, we, we got called 
to go to Saudi Arabia in August 6, 1990. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I got the, the Humvee now with a trailer, full of gear, stocked in at 14,000 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Here's how bad the loads are. We're in an AC, or in an AC, or shit, a C5A. Mm-hmm. And it opens in the front and in the back. We're in that thing with two Abrams tanks, and we maxed out the load. Could bring more in there. Yeah. <laughs> two Abrams kind of took it most of the way. We had four other vehicles in there. Yeah. And we land in the Daharan airfield, and uh, they opened that front nose on that damn thing, and it's like somebody opened up an oven door. Go, holy shit, gate to hell. We drove off, then we had to sit there on the damn tarmac for about an hour and a half before we we got a contact to take us to our units. And while I'm there, I decided I want to have a cup of coffee. So uh, there he goes. Uh, there he goes with that coffee. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, it gets better. It gets better. Oh, I throw a little little water. I think it splashed a little water onto the hood of the truck and it bubbles. I go, damn, this is going to be good. Filled my canteen cup up, set up on the damn hood. There you go. Come to a, it started to bubble as yes. far as it got. It started to bubble. So it was probably 150, 160 uh, degrees. Yeah. On that hood. Unreal. <laughs> but we went there and we, we spent from August 6th until, uh, February 28th, I think it was, before mm-hmm. we actually got back. And we sat out there in the desert, played army and shit, out there with nobody around us. Like us out of long no man's land there between Iraq and, and uh, yep. Saudi Arabia. <sighs> it was a boring time. So what happened? And, what happened then? A hot, boring time. Well, we... We sat around most of the time, and and we we got put in different places. You know, they pulled us out of this defensive area, and then you go back to the rear there a little bit, and we ended up in a goddamn uh, vehicle rebuilding area, oh. an old uh, commercial garage, mm-hmm. and we had the whole courtyard. It was all barricaded off with brick walls. The old battalion stayed in that damn thing, and everything started coming into us. We had fresh water. We had showers. Actually, it wasn't showers. It was more like a drip pan. Yeah. And the engineers built us a bunch of stuff up there because they didn't have nothing to do either. And uh, we just kind of hung out for another two months. And then uh, we went up on the line there and, and went back to one of the areas we had been in. But we had pushed far forward to that. We were We were not even three miles from the Iraqi check station. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting there in the desert about uh, three days. Hot as hell, we right? We got the French Foreign Legion on our left. Well, we got the French Foreign Legion on our left and the British SAS on our right. Oh. We're in the lead. My unit was the lead unit. And uh, I'm sitting there uh, getting ready to write a goddamn letter home to my mom mm-hmm. because she would. She, she loved this part. I wrote her a coded letter saying, Mom, you're going into Iraq. And it's named after your, 
your favorite movie of all time? Which one is that? Wizard of Oz. <laughs> we were going to. We were going. Our our direction was the the uh, um, yeah my, the Yellow Brick Road. Our first <laughs> objective was Toto. Our second objective was Pin Man. <laughs> our third right. objective was the Cowardly Lion, and our fourth objective was the Scarecrow. <laughs> yep. Yeah. What, I'm serious. What, what happened to the wizard? <laughs> wizard ran back to Baghdad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had a we had a group of Marines over there at the time, which was really funny because it became a mainstay running thing. Is we had a couple of Marines out there sitting on a patrol base. Uh huh. And they literally blew up a camel with a law. Ew. Oh. Hey, Billy, let's see what this does. Splatter <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> so the, 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 running, the running joke was just go 9,000 miles to smoke a camel. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> and they actually yeah. did too. That became a mainstay. Yeah, that, that became a mainstay. If you ever write a book, yeah. if you ever write a book, that should be on the cover. Yeah. <laughs> actually, actually, I'm gonna leave it to those two Marines to write that title on a book. You know, but there's a lot of things that we were doing over there. A lot of things that that happened. I bet. But you know, a lot of it, a lot of it is. Basically, stuff that most people can't comprehend. I mean, and not in a bad way, but in in a just a normal way. There's things that happen. Yep. In those two incidences in Grenada and in Saudi Arabia, that most people can't comprehend the fact that sometimes you have to have a little humor to get through the horror. Oh yeah. Yeah. When I when I punch the guy in the arms, they wake up, Billy. Okay. Yep. In Grenada, the dead Cuban punched him in the arms. They wake up, Billy, when, when they come and woke me up. <laughs> Didn't know I was laying next to him all night. He's like, yeah, dead man. In Saudi Arabia, it was like the running joke for me was if you can't dig a hole deep enough, you're not trying. <laughs> because we were in places where we just sat around. And pretty soon you're digging a freaking cave just because you need something to do. Yeah. You know? Yep. And it's like you're building a condo. The guy next to you is building the condo. <laughs> a couple of guys actually interconnected their day going to uh, fighting <laughs> position. It's a hard dirt. There you go. You didn't talk anything about critters or uh, animals other than camels, did you? What was out there? Scorpions and stuff? Yeah. Scorpions, snakes, uh, spiders, shit that people don't like. Yeah. Millions, if not billions of flies. Flies were freaking, it's like like staying in a dump for six months. I heard also, I heard that. After a while, you just wave them off and take a bite of food. Wave them off and take a bite of food. I heard that the dust storms were horrific there. Is that true? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Well, that's why you're just big digging caves. You got caught in a couple of them. We got caught in a couple of them, and you couldn't see 10 foot, man. Oh, man. I couldn't take that. That would freak me out. No, it was was something that we were talked about, you know, had to to put on your dust mask and your goggles and just hunker down. And if you had to take a piss, you didn't go any further than arm reach away from the vehicle, or you probably wouldn't come back. Uh, Hell no. I mean, it's just. Something that you get used to. It's like eating cold food for, you know, six months. Mm-hmm. Eating, you just eat because you need it. You ain't worried about the taste of it. Some people are particular about it, but you yep. Know, so now, you do what you have to do, and you. So, did you guys eventually go in the country? Okay. In, in which country? Iraq. Yeah. Yeah. Our first objective, where I told you, was Toto. Yep. That was a freaking supply dump. Was it? Was there a lot of resistance? No. <laughs> no, we learned that we learned in the short order. We when we got to when we got to Tin Man. Tin Man was a battalion getting on top of a butte, as we would call it out west, a flat top mountain. Mm-hmm. Projecting out from a small rocky area. And we pull up to this damn thing and uh, like, okay, what are we going to do here? Colonel calls in artillery fire to just throw a couple rounds that way. Yeah. And he gets a hassle from a, from a damn uh, officer controlling the artillery so well, are they surrendering or are they giving up i don't give a damn he said, you shoot my damn artillery i'm gonna come back here and jack your ass <laughs> they sent two artillery rounds out of course they were short because it was just a message you know hey, right. we got mm-hmm. artillery dudes you know right well you shot the artillery off or stand, we're all standing out there we're about i don't know a mile away and it's like yeah let's see what they do yeah they, Silence. I mean, all you hear with with the wind, and all of a sudden we see this big blob coming down the side of the damn mountain. Oh, it was the battalion in a formation. It was the battalion in a formation. Really? Dress right, dress. Walked all the way down to us. Huh. What'd you guys? Came do? out in front of where our position was at. Yeah. In in formation, open rank, set on the ground, put their hands on their head. Oh. And of course, carrying weapons or nothing. Did you guys? And did you guys shoot him? One of our well, <laughs> no, no, we didn't shoot him. <laughs> one of the guys who was with us, one of the guys that was with us, uh, he was from Iraq. Mm-hmm. He was a, a legal citizen of the United States. Mm-hmm. He went over to talk to to one of the the heads that came down. He said, "Look, he said, there's about a half a dozen guys up there that are." suffering from dysentery for the last two months. Oh. They need stretchers. So we give them some stretchers. They sent them up. They carried the people back down to us. Yeah. yeah. And it said, we got a, our commanding officer is in a bunker in the middle of the compound hoarding all the food. They said, what do you mean hoarding all the food? He goes, they had us on a cup of rice and a quart of water a day oh. for the last two wow. and a half months. That sucks. Yeah, these guys were these guys were in starvation mode. I mean, they, they looked 
Yep. They look like they've been fighting for months. They were just haggard out, wore out. They just wanted to get it over with. And they told us, they said, that they on the, uh, that the armies came to the houses and said, get on the truck or we kill your family. Oh. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's efficient. They wanted the forces. They didn't care. They would annihilate your family if you didn't get on the truck. Oh, God. That's crazy people, man. So what'd you do with them? You fed them? What'd you do with them? Yeah, what did you do with all them? Yeah, we well, we went through the the, the uh, infantry part of the day and went in there and they had their guys to frisk them down and get any information and stuff they had on them. Yeah. Talked to a few of them and we started handing out MREs and pointed south. Go that way. Yep. And they would walk off into the desert. Of course, mm-hmm. every unit they came to would stop them, but they kept funnel them back into Saudi Arabia. Got you. Oh, that's kind. That was crazy, though. I mean, now is this this where you see those guys that came down off that mountain and brought a tear to my eye, really bad. Is this where guys were like? Yep. Is this where you got injured? Yeah. And what happened with that? How did you get injured? Well, I was in the back of the of the home V and had back of uh, medical chest inside. I had to split the, the aid station into two sections because we had a battalion surgeon and we had a real surgeon and we split the we split the aid station in half. Uh-huh. Half go with this, half go with them. So we have one, in case one got blown up, we still had a medical facility yeah. injured with. Oh. You know? Well, in well, we were going across that terrain, and it's like driving across bowling balls. That desert was freaking nothing but rock. Hmm. like driving over bowling balls. Yep. And if you didn't drive over bowling balls, you climbed over boulders. I'm in the back, or they hit one, and when the chest got loose and smacked me in the back of the head and drove me in the tailgate. Oh, oh I was wow. I right in front of it, just slammed me right into the damn tailgate. And if I didn't have my head, helmet on, I probably would have got killed. Holy smokes. Wow. Yeah. Give me a concussion the last of three days. And then I started basically gaining my thoughts and stuff back. You're lucky. And they said, my, the PA, my friend, the PA, who I'd known at that point, I'd known yep. for oh, at least 10 years. Yep. He said, you want to go back? We'll send you to Germany. No, no, don't, don't kick me out of here. I'm going to stay here. So they just kind of, you know, watched over me and yeah. just kind of kept with the crew, you know. Yep. That way I did my injuries when I was in, in the military. I, I, I broke a shoulder, busted collarbone, broke an ankle, busted ribs, busted my jaw, took a head injury one time on a jump. And I never evacuated from the field. I was in the infantry back then. Anyhow. Yeah. What was your reluctance not to go to Germany? Well, if I did, I was afraid I would, wouldn't come back. Oh, got you. Oh. So now, how long were you there for in, when uh, after you got injured? or you, Did they send you back to the States? No, I, no, I, I, did, I redeployed back with my unit. Oh, me. After after I got over the the damn uh, 
the head injury there. Mm-hmm. I had a concussion for lasted three days. I mean, I was like, you know, half the time I was throwing up, the other half time I was eating. But I stayed in there, and, and when we broke down and come back, I was trying to tell the guys what we needed to take back and what we didn't. Because when I was there, I bought two fucking aid stations. I had an aid station. I bought another one. What, what was that? Because it's wartime, and you can get any damn thing you want. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I had two complete aid stations on Jeez. two five-ton trucks. Really? And I had 198 five-pound oxygen bottles. That's a lot. And I was told to get them. I was told to get this stuff. Uh-huh. I can hand receive it out. And when we got back, I, the guys were going, okay, what, what, how do we break this down? I said, take this aid station set here and just push it off on the side over there. Yeah. We're keeping this one because it's brand new. <laughs> Nothing's been used in it up to that point. Because if you use something like a durable, like the stove or a sterilizer tray yep. or the sterilizer, yeah. then you always got problems getting through the inspections because it's you never get them clean again. Oh. And I used to tote around, uh, the whole time I was working as an infantry medic, I towed around the two burner Coleman stove. That's why we heated our water in. That's why we heated yeah. food in. And your coffee. We, to, we used the Coleman stove on it. <laughs> That's that way right. we didn't dirty up. And, <laughs> that way we didn't dirty up and burn the stainless steel stove that we had. Once it's burnt, you can't do nothing with it. You can't. Yeah. Yep. You can't clean it because it shows burns. Well, the, all the time, so, all the time you were in the service, you know, I have to ask him the, the, the question: Did you shoot anyone? What is it? Again, you have to sign a non-disclosure agreement with that because <laughs> I did some stuff. I was outside uh, uh-huh. my military unit for certain people within the government. Oh. And that's when I was infantry, and that's how I got back into the army. Was on an agreement. Mm-hmm. So the answer is you can't tell you. He's implying that maybe. So I. I'm not gonna say I did. I'm not gonna say I didn't. Right. How's that? We got it. We're we're catching up. Yes. So you lit you lit him up. <laughs> so you came back with this big aid. Actually. Okay. Actually, at one point, I had a bounty for about four years Uh-oh. yeah zero said why yeah. ask because people want to know because you're things. a fighter that's why well probably yeah. i was a medic i was supposed to com- i was supposed to conserve the fighting strength and only use yeah defense sure what what that uh what kind of right station getting attacked you're trying to save the patients you're not trying to save your ass yeah what kind of rifle okay. were you carrying? When you're carry? out there fixing somebody and you have to fire on somebody, it's not to protect you, it's to protect the patient. The patient right. Yeah. That's yep. the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. Did you ever get shot? No. No? Nope. Did you, while you were out in the fast, field. I guess. Yep. While you, <laughs> while you were out in the field, you were wearing bulletproof vests and everything, right? No, we only... Had flak jackets. We have bulletproof vests, man. Those flak jackets are useless. <laughs> they're useless. Yeah, flak jacket, man. Were, yeah, they're useless. <laughs> did they, but they, yeah, did put you... this on and wear it. 
damn thing weighs eight pounds. You want me to carry this with all the other stuff I got to carry? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Did your jacket indicate that you were, you know, a, med- a medic or a nurse? Yeah. Did it say medic on the back? No. Oh. Or no. like a Red Cross you or something? You know why? Why? No, no. You know why? Uh-huh. Why? Because the enemy's trained. The enemy's trained to shoot the Red Cross. No. Okay. And you wonder why? Why would you do that? Because when a when a grunt gets a scratch, a cut, a bullet wound, or a sprained ankle, yeah, he hollers for the medic. Yep. And if you take the medic out, nobody knows what to do. You're right. They have an idea, but they don't know what to do. Yep. It's the same with so the you guy. Take out the, you take out the the medic. The medic is is probably the second most important position in in an infantry platoon. Yeah. They all know they're going to catch a bullet sooner or later. Really? But thank God they have a medic that might save them. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I've done CPR on guys. Yeah. I've done lifelines when nobody could find a, a vein because I knew how. I had it instructed to me by a cardiologist when I worked in the hospital. Hmm. You know, we had a guy come in, no code. We had to get a lifeline. Nobody gets a lifeline and and. It, and I go, let me try. And the doctor says, milk his arm down. Mm-hmm. So I grabbed up by his shoulder and started milking his arm down, pushing the blood right. beyond the tourniquet so I can get the blood up, stick yeah. the needle in, cut the daggone uh, tourniquet loose, and we had a lifeline in him. And I saved the guy's life in division like that during PT one time. They brought him in. They were carrying him. Joe's unresponsive. Do something with him. We went down on the ground. We started doing CPR. And one guy said, let me do an IV. I said, you know how to do that kind of IV. And the guy said, oh, yeah. After six people tried it, I go, let me show you how to do it, guys. You got to milk the arm down. Get the blood in that vein so you can hit it. Yeah. And that kid, by the time the ambulance got to us, which is during PT, and everybody's out on the streets running, traffic's all screwed up. By the time they got to him, he was revived. He had a lifeline in. They got him to the hospital. Two days later, he was released back to the unit with with restrictive PT. Yeah. He could do much of anything, you know, strenuous. I got a com. I got a, a army commendation out of it. And yeah, well, you deserve it. Got ARCOMs that was in it. Yep. Well, you- you deserve it. Do you keep it, in touch with any of these? Good for you. It, it, it's something that looks good at your funeral. <laughs> yeah. You know, everybody yeah. don't know anything. They look at your certificate. Oh, wow, look, he saved a life. Yeah, but you know, oh, wow, look, he, you're he, dead he has this medal. Yeah. Don't, don't Other think, than that, nobody gives a shit. Don't you think the person's life you saved is it's eternally sad. grateful? I, I, He's right. The person's life you saved, he must be eternally grateful, don't you think? Oh, he must be. I would imagine. Yeah, I, I've, I've got, I've got a, I've got a notebook full of of uh, letters of appreciation yeah. from spouses and fathers and mothers. There from, you go. From people that I took care of. That's right. So there, there's that's the. Reward. You know, I mean, it's like okay, I got another letter for my for my folder. You know. Yes. I was just doing my job. Well, that you did it. I, mean, well. I, I was involved in the one thing. I was involved in one thing. Back in the in the early '80s, when I was in Second Battalion, yeah, to redo the 
the, the packing list for the new aid station we got in, which was a complete nightmare trying to figure out where everything was at. So with the PA and the battalion sur- uh, brigade surgeon, I sat down and said, what do you want in this chest? Well, let's put this in. Okay, put this in. Put that. So I, I got the damn thing all set up. We uh-huh. invited the division surgeon down with another battalion on the other side of the field. We're doing a 15-man casualty treatment exercise. Oh, yeah. Now, these guys had it still packed the way it was. I was the only one who had the packing list for the new aid station. Uh-huh. And they said, go. We have 15 casualties that bring them in. And it's triage and you start treating them. We were doing a great job. Those guys were still breaking through the chest trying to find shit. Wow. And then the division, command, uh, the division commander and division surgeon go, how do we rectify this problem? I said, we use this packing list. Yeah. So this has been gone over. It's, it's, a, it's a perfect packing list for this setup. Yep. I mean, I had the sick call stuff. I had surgical stuff. I had uh, refilling the aid bags to patient treatments after they've been taken care of, waiting back. All this stuff was laid out, and it was all organized that way. So we sent it up to DA. DA sends it back. This is a new packing list sent down by Sergeant So-and-so. I'm looking at it. I go, who the hell is this guy? So I called. No, I got on the horn. And I called DA. I said, hey, uh, let me talk to the medical branch. I said, who is this this guy? Yeah. Oh, he came up with a new packing list i said no he didn't i said that was my packing list i sent up with the the the, uh okay of the division surgeon and the division commander Uh i said well but don't worry about it uh i'm sure your unit can do something yeah so i went back and i talked to my battalion commander and i said look sir i said this is what happened we made this damn thing up got it online and he was there when we did the demonstration. I said, now some idiot in DA is taking it all over. Oh. Yep. Said, Don't worry about it, Sarge. He said, we'll get you an award for it. I said, I'm really worried about the award. I said, but they need to know the truth. Yep. Good. Good. You know. So listen, listen. It's like, it's like you have an idea and somebody else takes the idea away from you. Exactly. It's crappy. It's really crappy. So listen, we're, we're getting near the 8 o'clock and... I think he should come back one more time mm-hmm. next week, next Friday. We'll do a third show. And then if he doesn't mind, and I don't think he will, we'll let people ask questions. That would be great. They'll come through through Podbean, not my phone, because he's calling in. Yes. I can only take one call through my phone. Yes. But through Podbean, they could, I'll have him come up and ask him anything. Right. So how about that? Is that all right? Yeah, that's fine. That's great. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to let Eric come on and tell us what's happening in the Podbean world. Well, um, hope everybody's um, had a great Friday, of course. Um, second day of June in the books. Yep. Well, and then I'm also posting some of them in the in the chat room as well. Mm-hmm. You know, like you have the Pulse Alaska podcast. Um, that's on weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern time here on Podbean. And, of course, you know, Rocky Raccoon, who people have been listening to, you know, is a great contributor to their 
to Brett and Scott's podcast, and they also do their Wednesday night variety show every Wednesday at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, you also have the Old Man's podcast weekdays at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, plus the Friday primetime special every Friday, which is tonight, yeah. at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. And then you also have the Kirkley Hennessy show, the Amber May show, the Outside of Normal podcast, and you also have, you know, coming very soon, the an, an all-new season of the Slightly Serious show, and you also have the Joe Antonio show, the Beans and Weenie show, you know, in prime time, you also have the Dude Sean show. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah pl- pl- plenty of people worth checking out. Um, you, you've you got the, the Frankie D show on Tuesday afternoons and um, the, the It's Doomsday podcast. If you're wondering why you've not been seeing them on Podbean, you could actually find them over on Clapper when, oh, Monday right. evenings. Wednesdays, you have the Slackery 2 Alpha, another podcast that Rocky Raccoon also contributes to the the comedy podcast called the the Potluck Podcast. Mm-hmm. You also got the Low Standards of Pores, and then in July you'll be seeing an all new season of um, the um, the Underground Shuffle Music Podcast. All right, and um, and then the Papa John's Podcast, which used to be the John DeVito Show. Um, he might be thinking about changing it to like the Pussification of America Podcast since that's how he's identifying himself on Twitter as after the name of like a Facebook group that he manages. Yep. You know, and, and just so many other great content creators here on Podbean worth checking out. Sure. And uh, listen, guys, if you're new to this show, follow us. We're on every Friday at 7 PM. Well, and based on the engagement numbers tonight, no one's listening to Biden. With his little uh, speech yeah. in the White House, which is a good thing. Yeah. Uh, and the thing is, I want to thank Raccoon because this guy really has interesting history. It certainly is. And, a, and look, just look at all, all the stuff he's been through. Yes. I can only imagine. It, you is, know. it is an intimate look at our history, stuff you're never going to learn in the books or in school. Yeah. It's really a great so you guys who listen to, to Raccoon Story, tune in next week on Friday, 7 p.m. For part three. That For part three. It's question time. And you could call in and ask this man questions. I'm sure a lot of you have a lot of questions. I want to thank everybody that joined in the show tonight. And also have a great weekend. Be safe, people I, out there. I'd love to challenge Zach to bring some music that's appropriate next week. Yeah, Zach. I've seen Zach, my man. He's running the music show. Please bring some music that would be appropriate for um, Raccoon's stellar um, history and historian. <laughs> I think Zach will do a great That's job. right. All right. I want to thank Raccoon. I want to thank Eric. I want to thank everybody who joined in tonight. I'm taking you out with a little WAP music. Oh, yeah. Bye, everyone. Woo! Oh, yeah. Keep hoping your heart. Oh, yeah, isn't that special? Oh, oh yeah. All right, people, follow us. I'll see you all next week. Have a safe weekend. Oh, la, 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 la.
people. Bye, everyone.